Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 978 of the Juicebox Podcast. Jenny and I are back with another diabetes myth. Today, we're going to tackle the myth that there are strict do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts. You can do this, but you can't do that. Is that true? While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Save 40% off your entire order at CozyEarth.com when you use the offer code JUICEBOX. Get a free year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order at DrinkAG1.com forward slash JUICEBOX. And please don't forget to use the links for Omnipod, Dexcom, US Med, all the sponsors. They're right there in the show notes of your podcast player and at JUICEBOXPODCAST.com. Jenny Smith works at Integrated Diabetes, and you can hire her at IntegratedDiabetes.com. Don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Doesn't matter if you have Type 1, Type 2, LADA, doesn't matter how you eat, everyone is welcome. Great conversations happening right now. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Jenny, we're going to do a myth today. Okay. I have this here as that there are strict rules to follow, do's and don'ts of diabetes, and people don't seem to think that's true. So let's hmm. go through what we have here. All right. Right here. Okay. Like, we'll start strong. You have to wait three hours after giving yourself insulin to give yourself more insulin no matter what your blood sugar is or what your arrow is on your CGM show. Not true. It's not true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, And that's a blanket state, right? That's mm -hmm. a not true, but consider variables. Right. But right. This stems from before CGMs and, yes. me and meters, right? Like this was, this was the advice you would have gotten 10, 15 years ago. It is. And it's also... I think it's still in use, especially for those who may be MDI, mm -hmm. because of the lack of precision, right? With a pump, you can deliver as tiny as 0.01 or 0.05 yeah. in terms of a dose if you really want to microscopically dose. You can't do that with an injection unless you're diluting insulin. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is... It's a statement of use for those using injections in a safe way to avoid. And we've talked about stacking before, right? Yeah. Well, that's and what we this defined is, that. That's what this is. Yeah. Like this is yeah. them trying to guard against that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. So I, I, you know, I think in, in scenario versus scenario, if you're using insulin and you need insulin for something, it's not stacking. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the next statement is it, it piggybacks onto this. This person says, I hate that people are taught that they can't eat for two hours after they've eaten. I did not realize how prevalent this was until I started mm -hmm. making the podcast and having like a Facebook group. People eat and then they don't eat again, whether they're hungry or not. 
they won't eat because they're like, well, I've already given a bolus. I have to let this play out. Work. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And that's, I think, as a, you know, again, we've clarified it before, but here, since it pops into this topic, if you eat now and you want to eat again, both of those eating episodes need insulin. Mm-hmm. The second intake of food still needs to be covered despite you having insulin from an hour ago from whatever you ate, yeah. right? That's not stacking, just for clarification. <laughs> <laughs> this next one is, uh, I. this is one I think all the time. I never really say out loud, but that time and range means between 70 and 180. So, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so what happens here is that I'm assuming that the research that's been done about time and range, like that's the that's what they chose when they did the research, 70 to 180. If you stay within this range for you know this amount of time, your A1Cs will be about this. It's healthy. By the way, time and range is important. It's in, actually it's mm-hmm. incredibly important, and I don't want you bouncing out out of the range either. But they, it, it's how everything else becomes a rule. I guess I'm making air quotes around it. Yeah. You hear it enough times, you go, okay, well, that's fine. So if you say to somebody, was your blood sugar high and it was 170, they'll say, no, it's in range. Right. And that, that's the, that's the unintended problem of that statement, which is you've now told people that 180 blood sugar is good because it's in range. Cause it's in range. Yeah. And I think that it also begs you to define Time and range is your range, mm-hmm. right? Just because somebody has defined or the default in most of the CGMs is 70 to 180. Yeah. That, that's what it is, right? Unless you go in and you n- adjust that to your desired target range, mm-hmm. then your time and range will not represent the target that you're aiming for personally. Yeah, I, I would say to adjust that range to what you think is healthy for you. Correct. And that's what you can consider your time and range. I also, because my range is set so slow, I don't think of time and range as the number that gets reported back to me. I look at 24 hours and I just see, like, are we sharply leaving the range high? If we are, that's not okay. But if we're just kind of, you know, humping out of it a little, you know, like a, a, a gentle curve out and back again, then it's okay. But I mean, just so I've said it here a million times, but Arden's range is 70 to 130 on her phone and it's 70 to 120 on my phone. But that's just because I want to react at 120. And mm-hmm. if she gets to 130 and we haven't intersected each other and, and done something, I want her to start hearing alarms at 130. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. Okay. Uh, this person says, uh, it's not a rule that if you just inject insulin 15 minutes before you eat, everything's going to be perfect. You spend so much time telling people they need to time their insulin well, and you're going to have to pre-bolus most meals. But then I guess then the rest of what they can take from it is if you just do that, it'll be fine, which, you know, fat, we know. protein rises, things like that could throw you off. Um, yeah, so it's not a rule. You should do it, but it's not a rule. Uh, right. It's not just yes. going to magically work. I don't know that anything with diabetes just magically works, honestly. No, it's a lot of... I tell people all the time, it's experimentation. Mm -hmm. And most of the experimentation is around what you do the majority of the time. And that's how you can establish, and you were talking about rules, essentially. Most of the rules may be rules that you apply 
for you. Yeah. Right. Like your rule of pre bolus time or your rule around going out to jump on the trampoline or whatever. It may just work really awesome for you because you figured it out. Mm-hmm. But the kid down the block or, you know, might not work for them. on the yeah. 20th floor, it may not work for them. <laughs> Even it might not work for you. So Arden had a bagel. She's home from school. So Arden's been home for like six weeks. Her average blood sugar is dropping significantly now that she's home eating better food from college. Right. Real, fo- real food. You mean her A1C is come. It came down like a half a point in like six weeks. If you're just measuring like, like, you know, the recent time, um, I think she's using significantly less insulin than she was at school. Like all this other stuff is happening. I was showing her the other day, but anyway, they grab bagels. Like I live on the East coast. Like for those of you who don't live here, you might not know what a real bagel looks like, but a bagel is going to be like 80, 90 carbs of like really dense bread. Right. And she makes this bolus. And even I'm like afterwards, after she ate, I was like, how the hell her blood sugar is so good after this. Like I was going to like thinking to say something to her later about like, wow, you really kicked that basil or that bagel in the ass, you know? But then like four hours later, she got low and that she couldn't bring back up again. And so the bagel was handled so well because she had over bolus the bagel like significantly. Up front. Yeah. And it took us like we had to put some significant, it wasn't like just a juice box. She had to put some carbs in like to bring her blood sugar back up and to make it stable again. But I I said to her, she like, what happened? She used more than usual. And she goes, no, but it was the amount she would have used while she was at school eating all that other food and et cetera. And so now that she's home and her diet's better, she didn't need all that insulin. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, so it could change for you depending on some of your variables, not just the kid up the street and et cetera. Correct. Um, to piggyback onto this, this person says, I'm always being told I have to put protein with a simple sugar to raise my blood sugar. And she's like, sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. Oh, to raise a blood sugar. Yeah. Like, so when she's trying to treat a low and she goes to simple sugar, people are like, no, you have to mix protein in with that. Ah. Well, first of all, for treating a low blood sugar, you don't want to put protein with it at, to begin with at all. all yeah. So that's entirely incorrect. Right. Um, <laughs> if you're going to treat a low, please treat it with real sh- simple carbs, yes. sugar, glucose, dextrose, whatever it is. The simplest is the best, mm-hmm. right? Then the idea comes in of, do you need to stabilize this? Do you want to try to hold it where the treatment brought you up to, that's where the idea of some protein and protein and fat kind of comes into the picture. And the idea is that if you're low right now and you're not going to eat again for another three or four hours, the potential for another low to come is more likely after you've had one low. So to stabilize it, because another meal is further out, doing some type of protein, a spoonful of peanut butter, a piece of cheese, a piece of turkey, whatever it is, something to kind of hold you with an effect that's not going to cause a spike up, but it's just going to stabilize. Otherwise, if your next meal is coming within about the next 90 minutes to two hours, that simple sugar should bump you up Mm -hmm. with all things considered in terms of settings and everything evaluated, right? Should bump you up and hold you stable until you get to your next meal. I'm going to do a couple rapid fire ones with you. You say true or false to these statements. Oh. 
When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. It's dangerous to not eat breakfast if you have type 1 diabetes. False. Oh, this is fun. Hold on a second. <laughs> you always have to eat your meals at the same time every day. False. Okay. Uh, the, a blood sugar that goes to 300 is absolutely normal as long as it comes back down. False. Having a normal <laughs> blood sugar as a type 1 diabetic is actually dangerous for you. What? False. Normal and healthy blood sugars are not possible, so you shouldn't even try. False. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, there's Do one. I win the game prize? I mean, I knew the <laughs> you, you win. I'll send you something. Um, what would you like? You I feel like I was on like a talk show that was, or like a game show. That was fun. I can send you a box of empty Wegovy pens. No, thank you. Well, <laughs> my, oh, I could make something fancy. Maybe I could make like Christmas ornaments out of them. My wife know. goes... Why are you keeping them? I was like, I don't know. I feel like I'm measuring time with them. Um, okay, here's here's my last one. And this one's going to lead into a little bit of a conversation. That's why I kept it for last. Mm. Your brain needs carbs to function properly. Oh, that's... Mm. Jenny's like, you should see the look on her face. She knows exactly where this is going to end up. <laughs> I do know where this is ending up. So my my short answer is yes. But there is... There's longer discussion to that. Right. There's a way to eat keto and it's still healthy for you. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Where you get, and, and there's a lot of research. I mean, if you really want to do the looking into brain health and brain function and why ketogenic diet, it was ages ago initiated for seizure disorder and some of the other um, neurological types of things that come out, um, you know, with changes in the brain, mm -hmm. ketogenic diet and the transition from using or focusing on carbs for the brain function to fat, there's good research in it. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I think if you want to eat keto, I think there's probably a great way to do it and a healthy mm -hmm. way to do it. What happens is that when people want to argue about it, somebody is going to say to you, you have to eat carbs. Like your kid can't grow properly without carbs. I'm like, I don't, listen, I'm not an expert, but that doesn't say, I, I see plenty of kids who eat keto who look like they're growing fine. Correct. Yeah. So I don't think that's, I just think that's where the talking points come in. Like when two sides want to argue and that's one of them. Yes. So to kind of, but that's why I hesitated. And uh, I, I know yeah, no, I was I like, oh, uh, I know where this is going. I, so my short answer is. <laughs> <laughs> so then this, this next one leads like kind of off that for a tiny bit more discussion. And I think it's important. This person said that you can eat anything as long as you dose for it. That's a quote. Just let her be a kid. That's a quote from that she got. But she said, but here's what ended up happening next. I didn't know what I was doing. So we were fighting terribly high blood sugars that were incredibly frustrating. It left us feeling hopeless. And she just thought she was doing it wrong. So mm -hmm. I understand the idea. You can eat for an, you can eat eat anything you want and dose for it, blah, blah, blah.
but you have to know how to do that. And it's not that easy all the time. Correct. Right. And the problem is, is that I think is that this is the, again, this is back to the hope thing that we talked about in another episode. Um, I think that's a thing they say to you when you're diagnosed because they don't want you to leave like just bowled over completely. You're already bowled over. Right. Imagine somebody tells you you have a, a lifelong illness. You're going to need to take this medication every day for the rest of your life. If you don't take it, you're going to die. And um, by the way, don't eat carbs anymore. Like, right. So you they, can only eat lettuce leaves and yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't only eat lettuce leaves when I was trying to lose weight. Now I got to do it or I'm going to die because that doesn't seem like good because, you know, if, if, my, if my diet's any indication, I should be dead soon. You know, like I and so I get both sides of this conversation. You shouldn't just eat anything you want. Like your body is, you know, it's got finite resources. You can't be shoving crap into it constantly. But you also don't want to leave people with the idea that they've just had everything in their life that they think of as normal taken away. It, You know, you can eat whatever you want, but you're going to have to learn how to use insulin for it. It's not going to be easy right away. It's going to take you some time to figure out. I think that's the whole sentence. I think that's a very, very good, very simple explanation. Um, And I like that you prefaced it with the fact that Nobody, regardless of diabetes, should just be eating everything they want because they want to. That's that's the idea. And that's, I think, where the deeper sort of discussion into that, you never get it from your doctor on diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, they're trying to provide a comfort component to say, look, all this stuff is changing, but... Don't worry about the food. You can eat whatever you want in a way of sort of making you feel like, okay, well, at least that's okay. But they don't give you the information that, but you got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. If you're going to dose for this, you have to figure it out. You have to pay enough attention. You have to keep track of things, et cetera. And, oh, your child needs to grow. Mm -hmm. Right? So let's give them the good nutrition to let them grow while you're also occasionally letting them have those treats that they were used to having. I was at a movie theater yesterday and I saw somebody walk away with a Slurpee. Um, so an icy drink. I, and I, I don't want to over-exaggerate, but I think the cup was, if it was 18 inches tall, I wouldn't be surprised. And I have giant, Jenny's met me in person. I have huge hands. And I, you, I don't think I could have got my hand halfway around the cup. And so it was, it was probably like the 64 ounce. I mean, Yeah. It, it, it was huge and it was just full of like sugary ice and people were leaving that thing with that. They had popcorn, they had like cheese on a pretzel. People had candy stuffed in their pocket. I was like, that's more calories than you should eat in three days. Like no lie. And you are going to have a hell of a time bolusing for that. If, that, if you're a type one and you're trying to now here's the rest of it. I could bolus for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> But just because I know how to bolus for it doesn't mean you should be eating all of that. Like, that's right. the difference. So I want you to know how to bolus for anything because I don't want you to have bad diabetes care no matter what you choose to eat. But that can't be the end of the story. You have to look at the calories you're taking in and be honest about them, too. Right. So those are the two yes. things I have there. Normal blood sugars in diabetics are dangerous. That's one you said false. I think that's just the idea that if you're stable at 85, people believe they're going to fall dangerously correct or they've been told that keep it high from a to keep it higher or they've been told that 
maybe it's relevant to what they've been told about an A1C, right? Well, maybe your A1C is at a level that represents a really good average blood sugar. From a clinical standpoint, many practitioners actually feel like, well, this must must represent, we're not looking at the data to prove this wrong, but yeah. you must be having a lot of low blood sugars <laughs> to get an A1C where this is or to have an average blood sugar where this is. And if you'd look further into the person's data, most likely you'd find that they're actually doing a really super awesome job mm-hmm. and lows are not the reason that their A1C is so low. I, I only get to see people when I speak live. Otherwise, I'm just talking and hoping you're all understanding. Uh, but <laughs> I've I've shown people graphs where Arden's blood sugar is like super stable at like 80 for hours at a time. And it it invokes actual fear in some people. They're like, but you weren't scared she was going to get low? And I'm like, no, because her basal's right and because her carb ratios are right. And I, this is stability. Like you can create stability like this. And it's not because she's not eating like anything with carbs and Arden's a, you know, pretty fair carb monster pretty much sometimes. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all right. My last thing here uh, is that this person said there's a general belief that non type one's blood sugars or a one C's are not possible if you have type one. And I've been told many times online that it's a social media urban myth to have a lower a one C. So this person, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this person said, look, my son's last two A1Cs were 5.1 and 5.2. And here's a photo of it. Like, I can show you. Like, there are times he's been in range for 100% of the time for two days at a time. Right. Uh, but the person was told that that's a social media myth. It's a thing that it doesn't really exist. But that's... That's weird. Just somebody that hasn't heard the podcast yet, Jenny. That's all. So... um Anyway, I appreciate you doing this one with me. Of course. It was the, I, I kind of like the rapid fire stuff was fun too. Yeah, I like the little game show. Right. Next time we fun. get together, we're going to do uh, that an insulin pump will just magically fix everything. Oh, fun. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, bye. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. You know, I also want to thank everyone who sent in these myths. Myths? I still can't say myths. Myths? Oh, my God. For this uh, for this series. They really have uh, made it a really vibrant conversation. So thank you all for sending yours in. Don't forget to check out Jenny at IntegratedDiabetes.com. I'm going to ask you to check out the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Go become a member. Get involved in the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. When you support the Juicebox podcast by clicking on the advertiser's links, you are helping to keep the show free and plentiful. I am certainly not asking you to buy something that you don't want, but if you're going to buy something or use a device from one of the advertisers, getting your purchases set up through my links is incredibly helpful. So if you have the desire or the need, please consider using Juicebox podcast links to make your purchases.